Thank you for your attention, the puppet. Um, it's honestly speaking to the community that I love, so thank you, Stuart and Chaplin, for inviting me. Um, so, here I go. <laughs> for those. For those of us who have taken Glenn's Old Testament, you know that? Do you remember how he always made us think about where we are standing in the history of Israel? So, well, today I want to take you to a few places in the Old Testament, the first few books of the Bible, and well, eventually land in the book of Leviticus. So, the first two books are filled with fascinating stories. The creation, the flood, and of course, the Exodus. There's never a dull moment when you're standing in the midst of those stories. And you wonder, what will happen to Isaac when he sees his wife? for the first time. He looked at her badly. She's never met her. Or Jacob, then he has to face the brother who cheated. I wouldn't want to be him. And what will happen to Moses with all these people to cross the Red Sea? And no, what if it doesn't happen? That's a disaster. I can see myself running around the stories and have, hardly have any time to catch a breath. Well, I have a great news. Next stop, the Book of Leviticus. <laughs> After all the running around from garden to the, to the sea, the book pauses. The history pauses. No more splendid year. No more romantic stories of Jacob waiting 14 years to marry the girl he loves. No. The book pauses. And the last one, for those of us who had to read it, it starts with the sacrificial law. Well, okay, so Jesus took care of all that, right? So, you know, that cross of resurrection. So, let's let everyone for you rinse, give you books, and get to Joshua. You know, and there's nothing happening. But Joshua sounds more interesting, more fascinating. The battle scene all. Right? Well, before we do that, Let's just give it a chance. The book of Leviticus is not a very popular book. I know this because I looked at yet. They tell them that many abuses about it. Trust me, they'll look again. But this morning I want you to trust me and come with me as I take you through this journey. So before we skip to Joshua with all that parallel scene, let's pause.
pause here for a moment with the story pauses and at least see what the book is all about. As the history of Israel's pauses, God, Yahweh, their God, begins to speak. I mean, not that he didn't speak throughout all the business, but when they paused, Yahweh speaks. And he speaks of his laws. If we just skim the book, it may look like we're reading through some other country's law that's irrelevant to us, right? Because we don't offer sacrifice and we can eat whatever we want. But remember, this book, this law, was for the people of God, and we, we too, are people of God. They said the same God that we said. I'm not suggesting that we should read these laws so that we can observe them, but we should at least listen to, listen to them and pay attention to God who loves us, who wants the best for us. So let's just give it a chance. Let us just love and thank you for reading it for us. Not is chapter on dieting laws. This is a chapter of roots that you can't eat bacon. <laughs> and what Nali read for us this morning was the end of chapter 11 where it gives a summary of the lost. Filled with animals that they were not, eat, not allowed to eat or even touch. The list may seem strange for us. We might even say we don't need to pay attention because remember Peter's rooftop experience? Okay, now, then now can we move on to the battle of sin? But wait, if you pay more careful attention to this strange loss, God gives his reason for giving it to them. And that's the verse 44 in that bed. That Mali reference, which says his people, his people are to observe these laws in order that they could become holy, like he is holy. So okay, let's go back and read the laws. So he says maybe it's just more than this, beginning with three. Maybe it's not as boring, but. It is still the list of animals, no matter how many times you read it. But verse 4 gives us a rationale for its requirements. And you know what, though? No why he has given us these laws for us to be holy. Holiness. What is holiness? For those, for those of you who know me, holiness is a theme of my thesis, and I promise you I'm not bored my old thesis. But if I could sum it up, holiness is about separation. Holiness is when God just needs something or someone for his purpose. I really hope I got that right. <laughs> it means differentiating between one thing from other. 
Is Israel was to distinguish between animals by the, the features of their feet and the way they chewed their food, they went to remind them of God who differentiated them from other nations. How, how often do you think they have to do this? I mean, how often do you eat? I love eating, and I do it quite often. Which means if I was it, as well as I would have to think about this at least three times a day, or even more. Every time I had to plan a meal, I would have had to remember the laws and be mindful of my meal choices. The book is filled with even more laws regarding other aspects of life. The laws about when people are allowed to work and when they have to rest. The laws regarding the way you treat yourself if you have certain disease and how you have to separate yourself. Strange laws. The laws even have restrictions on relationships between certain parties in order to protect the weakest members of the of the of people, like the widows, the orphan, and the women who are powerless. The laws were to control every aspect of their lives. Why? Because they were people of Yahweh, and they were to be different from other nations. They were to know that they had themselves hearts, even though they would have loved to have bacon, I'm sure, if they knew. Because who wouldn't? But they couldn't, and they wouldn't either, but because they weren't to restrict themselves and identify as people of God who are different. They were to be different. The law was to rule over every aspect of their lives in order that they could imitate Yahweh's holiness. Why about us? Are we restricted? Somewhere I end up with free because Christ is a fulfillment of the law. He came and died for us. Therefore, we are no longer required to observe the law of the Old Testament. But remember, as we read this morning, Jesus also gave us the law. If you look at the Matthew passage that was read for us, the Pharisees who held pride for observing the laws came to test Jesus and asked him what was the most important law. You know, what is the law of all laws? And they were probably wondering, will, they, will he pick one all over the other? Or will he say, you know, eating beef is more important than eating pork. What was they say? They wanted to know, and you know what? They weren't ready to argue with him. They wanted to argue. They didn't care about what he was thinking, but they wanted to argue with him. 
We've heard this passage many times before, and what even I get at this law is why we no longer need all the other laws. But are the, are the two laws all that different? I'm sure it doesn't say, and it doesn't upset, that we can eat bacon. I'm very happy about that. But are they really different? Well, we didn't both know all the laws in Leviticus 11. Trust me, you don't want to. I've been doing that for weeks, and yeah, I won't bore you with that. But I think we should examine the law Jesus gave us today and commend us to love the Lord our God with all of our hearts. You know, in those of us who know that this word means more than the warm, fuzzy feeling, the word refers to our inner self, who we are at the core of our beings. This includes our personal and private thoughts and emotions. Our expressions should reflect the way we love Christ, whether we do that to God, whether we do it to act ourselves, or whether we express to others. And this even includes our emotional destruction. I'm not saying that emotions are bad, but we need to wrestle with how we can love God with our emotions. Perhaps this is just my, emo- my opinion, but definitely taking care of our emotional self, finding our health and balance. I remember Harry always used to tell us in his historic that no one in a thousand had never disclosed ourselves. Are we maintain healthy emotional life that loves Jesus? Do we love him emotionally? Then the law commands us to love the Lord, Yahweh, with all of his soul. <coughs> Which means it is lawful for us to love God with the core of our being. He's not just a top priority, but he is the priority. Everything you should start from him and end with him. He needs to be the very reason why we do the things that we do. Jesus is Jesus at the center of our lives. And when you plan, if you're a planner, you plan things around your relationship with Jesus? Or does he want to be to do this? And we are to love Jesus with all of our mind. This will be a thinking brain. The one that you use in the classroom. The one that you use for your papers. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I remember two years ago, around this time, I was struggling to graduate. I had two ministries. 
I had I had five horses and I wanted to have a life too. I was so busy and getting so tired of school. Even though I came back and I was fine. That's a different, different story. I was so drained and I remember talking to my mentors. I'm like, I wanna give up. I was dead serious. I wanted to give up. But but um but then this verse reminds me that I had to love God with even with all my papers. I used to tell my classmates and other other friends that even our academic life should be kind. That even our academic life should become a part of worship. As you re review that book, as you did that book review, you should think that one verse that seems impossible. Did you have to email Matt like five times? Like I did. We should be reminded that those are all our acts of worship. I've been struggling to write this thesis for the last two years. And it's been a long way around. But as I've been thinking about this sermon, I, I was reminded of this myself. My thesis is my abdomen. Glad I'm not here, don't tell me I said that. <laughs> God's desire, Yahweh's desire for the Israelites was for them to know that they were the people of Yahweh who had been set apart. They belonged to him. He wanted them to know that they had been set apart by having them differentiate between things in their everyday life. God wanted them to imitate him in every aspect of their lives. They were to restrict themselves from certain foods to that they were reminded of God who had restricted, restricted them for himself. As they observed the Sabbath, they were to be reminded of distinguishing between work day and their worship. Then the law came in flesh and gave us the greatest distinction of all, the cross. It is because of the cross we live a life distinguished for God. For Christ has called us as his own. So what about bacon? Well, we have seen that people were distinguished between bacon and the unclean foods as they were reminded that they were differentiated. And God continues to command his people to do the same. Except we just rejoin them with the cross in our mind. Yes, it is true that we are no longer under the law. We are permitted to eat whatever we wish to, thanks to Peter's vision and our love passage. 
Thank <laughs> you. 